Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Summer. I'm delighted to have Claudia and Kylan. Did I say that right? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're good. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. And that's the introduction. So I guess we're talking about the... um, Sorry, let me go back to it. Oh, I lost it. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's our, our art case study about Joe Brown's statue on, in Temple University. Let's, let's discuss. Yeah. So we know that um, Joe Brown is a sculptor. Sculpturist, if that's a word. Hmm. Um, Just sculptor. He's a sculptor, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So he created the quote unquote iconic uh, double gymnast that's placed outside of the McGonagall Hall in Temple University. Um, the argument that we have is whether it was useful or not to have essentially the, 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 the gymnast be completely nude and the man be quote unquote covered with just like a piece, essentially it looks like a piece of spandex. But uh, was that useful? Was it pointless? Was it? Is there a reason for it? We are trying to dig into that. Personally, I think it was a mistake. I think it's very... I agree with the criticism of it. It's a bit sexist to have only the female nude and have the man like be able to be covered. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on board with his decision. I'm... I agree. I feel like it's either you have them both nude or you add some sort of spandex to the woman as well. Um, I feel like any, I feel like if it's on a university campus, anyone could just take a picture of the, you know, the girl um, and be like, oh, hey, you know, there's a naked chick on this sculpture. Um, (laughs) And it could be the same if the male was also undressed. and as gymnasts, you know, each gymnast has a type of uniform that they wear. It can be, um, you know, shorts or leotards. Or I know that there's been ones that are actual pants, which is which is an upgrade because I know that some gymnasts have been um, moving away from just wearing leotards because they're just being exposed, you know, too much for their liking. Mm-hmm. So my point is. It's either you clothe both of them or just none. It's also the fact that most of his larger than life um, like statues that he's created um, are like based on athletes, right? So whether they're gymnasts or um, he has two at John uh, Johns Hopkins University where it's a runner and a discus thrower for like track and field, you know? And both of them are in their, you know, respective uniform. He has different things that are, um, like he has a tackle for football that's placed outside of the Citizens Bank Park, um, which is in complete uniform of a football player of the era. So why is this one specifically not in uniform? Because if you dive, if you dive a little bit deeper back into the 1968 Olympics and even before that, Women were competing in full uniforms of leotards, and then men were even in, you know, um, their typical tight 
press shirts and tight pants that they were competing in. So it's not like it was outside of that, like, you know, realm of possibility for him to be able to sculpt that. I don't know why he decided to take it upon himself to not do that. Uh, I can't find a reason for it um, other than like, quote unquote, creative opportunity, I guess. Yeah, and but, Kylie, you bring up a great point. Like during, you know, 1969, if I were to think about, you know, the if I were to Google right now at this moment, it, what I'm seeing is dresses and skirts are almost at knee level. So creating this sculpture, opening it up and and or having it on in a university when like even the dress code at the time seems very, you know, not risque. Um was bold of Joe Brown to do. Also, I just want to put this little fun fact in. Joe Brown has made up to more than 400 different works. So um, between sculptures, he has little like statuettes, which are also figurines. Um, so I think that's really, really impressive. And I wonder how much time it all took for him to create, you know, these small figurine sculptures or these just gigantic sculptures, bronze sculptures, just as the one in um, Temple University. Yeah, so he actually made a um, a two the same gymnast, like the two athletes, but he made it in a statuette that's 21 inches tall, and both of them are completely nude. <gasps> so he actually changed it for the larger-than-life version. Interesting. I mean... I, so. I respect his, you know, artistic choice to make them naked, even though I don't agree with it, but... For this staff statue specifically, it's just wrong to leave only, especially the woman, leaving her only naked. If you're worried, if you like want to change your sculpture because you're scared of vandalism, you should change the sculpture sculpture completely. Don't just like, you know, the 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 women part of the sculpture is still like open to to being like vandalized or objectified. So like, why would you only change one? That's true. And I, I guess we can use uh, the sculpture of David. You guys, I mean, that's another iconic sculpture. Um, normally, you know, he, he's all fully nude. I don't think I've ever seen a sculpture of David being vandalized and he's just out in the open showing all his goods. <laughs> um, that so it, I guess can... it kind of depends on how close people are realistically able to get to it, though. Because the statue That's of David, true. for example, has like a ring that goes around that people can't cross to get mm. close to it. Where like yeah. I don't know if there's anything preventing the statue from people just walking up to it. Yeah, but I, I mean, just... oh sorry, okay. no no go ahead. I was gonna say it's like I know it's a college campus, so like I understand maybe some students can be a little crazy, but like that's like a pretty big risk for students to take to like vandalize the school. I feel like people wouldn't go that far. Yeah. And yeah, I would hope not. Back to the sculpture of David, um, the statue of David. There's There's been a whole bunch of replicas being made. Like, I, I've i been to a museum in... I forgot. It's called the Ringling Museum, if you guys have heard of, like, the Ringling um, Circus. It's a really good museum, and they have this massive, beautiful statue of David... Of course, no way. I mean, someone can if they really wanted to vandalize it. But he's undressed. He's chill. Like, it's a replica. Of course, he's massive, so you can't really go to it. Um, but I feel like if someone wanted to, they could. 
and he's exposed. Um, although I have seen different sculptures where they put like the little leaf to hide their private areas. Maybe they could have just um, used a leaf, or I think if it's there's um, a, an artist. I think he's Spanish. I'm gonna uh, get back. To, I'm gonna get back uh, with it to you guys. But he basically creates um, very chunky people, like chunky sculptures of people, and he's just like it's just like he doesn't show the. It's just the mound. Like there's nothing protruding if it's a man. There's no slit if it's a woman. He could have also done this, done that, where it's just like. You know, just kind of smooth for both yeah. in reality. If, if he was scared of it being vandalized, I mean, if it's if he if it's going solely off the point of it being, you know, a essentially a preventative to being vandalized, it doesn't really make sense because, yeah. like I said, no matter what he does, there's always the chance of it being vandalized. Like it could be. He could he could have created them both in complete uniform, and there's still a chance of it being vandalized. Like that's just kind of part of I, I want to say human nature, but like people are gonna do stupid stuff. Like it it doesn't change the fact that that's a possibility. It's just the fact that I don't understand how covering up one and not the other prevents it specifically. In that case, like it would be yeah. be the same thing of, of saying like, oh, I'm only gonna cover the woman, uh, and then not the man to prevent an another form of vandalism like it doesn't change that i just yeah. don't understand it and i'm like if he's if he's thinking about the height thing like if it's like oh i'm going to cover the bottom one but not not the top one i'm like we have arms and legs like we can climb <laughs> it's not like it's not possible <laughs> that's true but um, the thing that still strikes me about this specific sculpture though is the fact that when it comes down to it i don't understand why he created them in outside of uniform because all of his other works that are exhibits based on like some type of sport, right? So like he's done stuff where it, it uh, models boxing, like he did a Muhammad Ali, uh, stat like uh, what's it called, statuette. He's done stuff with like baseball players, football players, you know, track and field. He's done different, like so many different sports, and yet when it comes down to one sport of gymnastics, he somehow decides to just not base it off their uniforms. Like I, that's the thing that kind of throws me off. Because every single other one has like their typical uniforms, like the Muhammad Ali, or like he even has a bigger boxers one where it's like they're in their boxing shoes, they're in you know their typical uh, shorts that they have in the ring, they're in the gloves, like for that stuff. Um, for the football players, like the tackle, they're in cleats, they're in helmets, they're in pads. Like it, it's the full uniforms there. So I don't understand why this one specifically doesn't. Yeah, I would. I would. Um... It would be cool if we could, like, in interview him. Like, what was your reasoning behind it? And have, like, that neutral point of view. The artist that I was referring to, um, who's also a sculptor, he, his name is, his last name goes, um, he's known as Botero. And I've actually, like, around Miami, I've seen so many sculptures of him. His first name is Fernando Botero. He's a Colombian artist. artist and his, like, his style is known as Boterismo. So he basically depicts these people in like very large and exaggerated volumes, which is why I refer reference like chunky because they look kind of chunky, but 
you know, like the private area. They're 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 out. The, these sculptures are, you know, naked. Like you can see the females, you know, breasts like normal, but the bottom area is just smooth, just as the male. Um, but I know we deviated, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. So I think we can talk about um bronze sculptures i feel like we've all seen different bronze sculptures um i want to talk i want to talk about the process of it um basically you need a cast or this type of mold to have to then fill this up with bronze so the process of it it's actually i would say kind of tedious and i'm going to i found a descript a great description on Artspur, so it's basically like almost like an art expert, and basically the process is as follows. I'm quoting this. So you have to heat and melt the wax, which then becomes liquid, and it gradually drains from the mold. Then the mold is filled and then cooled. It's turned upside down and held in place with a sand-filled tray, and then it will finally be filled with bronze. And the melting temperature is around 1300 degrees Celsius. So you have to create that casting first and then implement that bronze. It's the whole process. Now, I'm not sure how long it how long it takes to, especially with these, you know, massive sculptures, how long it takes um compared to a statuette. Um but yes. Um, so Brown's done a lot of interesting things in his life because he has gone through different I guess I, I want to say like phases or like paths throughout his life. I mean, he started as, you know, he went from going as an, he like a boxer to a professor to then an artist and then so on. And he's, you know, created all of these different works of art. And it all realistically started when he moved into his uh, family home out in, you know, Princeton, Philadelphia area, uh, being the quote unquote, uh, first Jewish family to move into an Irish neighborhood. And that's where he actually started his love for uh, boxing, especially even nowadays. I mean, you can you can see some some of the biggest, you know, historical figures in boxing as being Irish. I mean, even right now in MMA specifically, like Conor McGregor is a huge name, right? So it's ingrained in that um, that culture. But anyways, so moving forward, I mean, he, he started at Temple University. He got uh, a near full ride to the university being a uh, boxing athlete fun enough uh he ended up with a 9-0 record at the uh at the university and then decided to stop boxing i don't i i, I don't know why i mean I, I think he just fell in love with his work and then he became a princeton professor and then followed by that he worked with a guy named r tate mckenzie who became his mentor teaching him how to sculpt um and that's where he his first sculpture with or after that or a after the seven years that he was working with uh, McKenzie was the uh, sprinter of Jesse Owens, and he did a one of uh, boxer Mickey Walter. So after doing both of those, uh, I guess he just continued with the same path of doing different athletes and different sports and so on. I mean, some of the his most you know notable photos of just like him sculpting have been of most of these athletes. So I mean, yeah. uh, just on his like inductee profile for the. Uh, Philadelphia Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. It has him working on the uh, 
what's it called? The uh, a baseball player, which I don't think is listed here, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, just if you go through all of his different works, it's just all athletes and sports and so on. And I think it's just like he kind of put both of his loves together. I think it's just he fell in love with art after being an athlete, but he still loved being an athlete and just threw them both together. Oh, yeah, nice. found a way to connect his two like favorite things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to add on to his like boxing career. He also became a coach, a boxing coach at Princeton University in 1937, and then it continued until the early 1960s. So he's been, you know, in this sports realm and even coached for um, years. And then he began he began teaching sculpting courses in 1939. Now, he then. Until 1962, he became a full professor of art. Now, if you think about it, Joe Brown was born in March 20th, 1909 in Philadelphia. He died in March 14, 1985. So he was the age of 75. Now, Joe Brown was still coaching as until the earth coaching boxing until the early 1960s which that gives him an equivalent of at least 60 years old of just enjoying his time enjoying sculpturing and enjoying the sport of boxing and coaching which is awesome and actually like it's very inspirational because he got to do um the best of both worlds he loves sports and he loves sculpturing um, I feel like he had to cut down on the boxing because he had to save those precious hands for the sculpting. <laughs> What's interesting is like from some of the photos that I've seen of, uh, of him working on as uh, different sculptures, though, it seems like he almost freehanded a lot of them. Weirdly enough, like it looks like he like. So, for example, when you were talking about the process of, you know, creating the uh, the molds for the cop, the, not copper, the bronze and so on. Right. He, it seems like he made like very rudimentary um, molds on that so that it would feel like just like the baseline mm-hmm. of what he wanted to make. And then he would freehand remove like and like cut down on the on the actual bronze to be able to create like the different, you know, muscle striations and different movements and so on and like make it more humanistic or in this case organic. Yeah. Alrighty. So I think we've ultimate decide I want to hear your opinion. So Kate Kylan and Summer. Uh my opinion on this topic is and I mentioned it earlier is either they're both fully clothed or just no clothes at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think leaving only one of them, especially the woman nude, is just the probably the worst decision he could have made for it. I think maybe he should have just, like, if he wanted to cover them, if he was so worried about vandalism, he should have covered them both. I personally just don't understand the the reasoning behind it, but... <laughs> um, it, at the end of the day, I mean, he was the one who made the choice, so it's like, it's not really something that can be changed, I guess, at this point. But I... At the end, I think it's... It, like it, it should be either fully clothed or unclothed for both, just because... Like, it does... It, I don't think taking into a factor of, like, the people looking at it or, you know, the possibility of vandalism and so on, I don't think that should change the way you 
create your work. But I also don't think that either of them should have been quote unquote outside of uniform. Because like uh, we've mentioned, like we've said, we've said it multiple times. At least, at least I have, is the fact that like you know, we're, uh, across the board, pretty much all of his uh, works that relate to some form of sport, they've been in uniform. They've been in either you know whatever they compete in or what they're you know normally seen using for their actual sport. So why does this one change? Like what what's the reason behind it? I wish I could I could figure that one out. And then it might give us more clarity to why he chose to have them both nude in the at least in the statuette. And then, you know, in this case, if he specifically did it for the vandalism, then I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's it, it does change the way that people do look at it just because of the fact that, like, you know, essentially he prioritizes the the, I guess in this case, he prioritizes the man over the woman because of the fact that he, if he covers one, why not the other? But, I mean, it's I, it, it was ultimately his choice. That's yeah. that's really how it is. Like That's how he envisioned it. That's how he created it. And I guess that's how it's going to stay at this point. I don't see why we would change it now. That's true. I agree with you, Kylan. Yeah. We all share very similar perspectives. That's good. Um, okay, let me... I guess we're done now, so I'm going to read that ending script. Thank you for joining us today, Claudia and Kayla. I appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcasts. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon, and remember to stay curious. Bye, guys. Okay, bye.